Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. The story is told um, about a, a young man in Budapest who goes to his rabbi and complains about how miserable life is. Uh, life is so hard, it's miserable, I don't have anything to thank God for. And the rabbi says, what exactly is the problem? He says, I mean, I'm living in a room where there's nine of us living in this room. Everything is just so hard, I can't find anything to thank God for. So the rabbi asked him, do you, do you still have that, your goat? He said, yeah, 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 the goat is always outside. So the rabbi said, okay, what I want you to do this week is to take that goat and put it in the house with you says, no, 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 sir, this doesn't have anything to do with my goats. I said, my life is miserable. <laughs> the rabbi said, do you trust me? He said, yes, all right. Take that goat, put it in your house for one week and come back next week. So he takes the goat and puts it with them in the house of nine people and goes back the following week and says, oh, rabbi, everything is even worse now. The goat stinks, it's just a big mess. So the rabbi said, all right, now take the goat and put it back outside and come back next week. So this time he obeys and then when he comes back next week, he said, rabbi, life is so good. Wow, can you just imagine that? We've gotten rid of that stupid goat. It's just the nine of us now. Life is good. Glory to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always. Rejoice how many times? Always. Pray without season. In everything, give thanks. Am I in Believer's House this morning? You know you're going to have to read this with me, right? So let's do it again. Rejoice always. Pray without season. In everything, give thanks. Then he says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many people have ever wanted to know the will of God? This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That's the title of my message this morning. This is the will of God. So from this scripture, we can say that the will of God is broken down into three, which is Number one, rejoice always. Number two, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. It says this is the will of God for you. Always is uh, an interesting word. Uh, it reminds me of my kids. Whenever we have a conversation, they say something like, oh, daddy, you do that always. You always say that. And I'm like, mm, really, always? When was the last time I said that? And they say, ah, you said it just now. No, apart from now, when was the last time? Mm, I can't really remember. Okay, so you cannot say I do it always if you can't remember the last time I did it. So you can't say you rejoice always or you pray always if you can't remember the last time you did it. You can't say you study your Bible always if you can't remember the last time you did it. You cannot say you give thanks to God always if you can't remember the last time you did it. Always means every time, on every occasion, without exception. That's the definition of the word. Always is every time on every occasion, without exception, all the time, continuously, uninterruptedly. It also means forever. That's why people will ask, will you always love me? What they want to know is that, are you going to be like, like Grandma Cindy and Grandpa Wayne? <laughs> will you always be here? <laughs> always means forever, forever. That's what it means. In any event, at any time, if at all necessary. That's what the word always means. And there are some synonyms to the word, which is, and this one is going to be very important to us as we go along, consistently, I need you to write this down, consistently, 
constantly, perpetually, regularly, repeatedly. We can tell those who haven't been to class in a long time. Some of you are struggling to capture everything. I will go over it again. Consistently, constantly, perpetually, regularly, and repeatedly. So if you are taking notes this morning, let's go over these three things together, okay, and see what, what God is trying to convey to us as his will. The first one he says is rejoice always. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4, he says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. God wants us to rejoice all the time. That is his will for us. That's his will for us. If you are ever in doubt about what the will of God is, he says, I want you to rejoice always, regardless of what is going on. But the challenge with this is that it's easier said than done. Uh, it's not easy to rejoice always. If you have ever loved, uh, lost a loved one or, you know, b- been thoroughly disappointed, you understand what I'm talking about. It's not easy to rejoice always. Uh, I was driving by the, the cemetery the other day, and this was not even my own, it had nothing to do with me. It was just a random uh, funeral that was going on. And as they were making their way into the thing, it's just a weight of, of sorrow that just comes on you, right? And I was preparing for this message, so I remembered that. And I had to find something to thank God for in that situation. Because that is the will of God for us. This is what I wanted to remember from this morning's message. That when we say rejoice always, it's not a gimmick. We're not trying to, to psych you up. We're not trying to tell you to do something that you don't want to do. It is the will of God for you. So if you ask me, what is the will of God for the people who are at that funeral service? The will of God, and I'm not saying the will of man. The will of who? God. is not for them to be crying. Especially if the fellow was a believer. That's not the will of God. But you know, in the flesh, it is something that is a natural tendency. Something goes wrong, you want to have a pity party. There is a disappointment you just want to break down. Because it comforts <laughs> to, to cry and to feel that sorrow. You want to feel it. So you want to just sit down and say, oh, now I'm the one that everybody should look after now. But he says rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. But it's something we have to learn. So he says, he goes further in verse 11 of the same Philippians chapter 4 and tells us how he, he manages to do this. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, somebody say learned, I learned this stuff. It's not something that came with me when I was born. I learned it. He says, I learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Then he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, I've told you before, know-how is very precious. This thing called know-how is extremely valuable. It's extremely valuable. It's the reason why I don't let my wife near the, the engine of our cars. Because she does not know how. It's also the reason why I don't cook anything in the house. Uh-huh. I've told you, like, if I cook, there's, there's three things that can happen. Okay, maybe two. It can either be a burnt offering or a living sacrifice. <laughs> it's going to be one of the two. I can't do better than that. I can boil noodles, you know, I can do all those right, but I don't know how. I simply don't know how. I don't know how to mix things together and, and a pinch of this, a dash of that. I don't, I don't know how. Give me a pulpit, a microphone, I know how. Because I learned that. 
So he's saying to you the same way. He says you have to learn this thing called abounding and abasing. You have to learn this thing that enables you to be able to rejoice when everybody else is having a problem. Is is how like when my kids were babies, they, they didn't have know-how of the we, we took my first son to Nigeria when he was a baby. Some of you already know the implication of that, right? And the first time there was a power outage, he just started to weep. <laughs> because he does not know how. So every day I had to run the generator. Every single day. It cost me, back then, 5,000 naira every single day to run that generator. I just kept running it because my son simply does not know how. He does not know how that power goes off. Why is it going off? Why? <laughs> Why is there a power outage? So there are some things that you learn. And one of those things is what Paul is stressing here, that when you see somebody in the midst of a difficult situation, when they are supposed to be breaking down, when other people are supposed to be patting them on the back, they are the ones encouraging other people. They have learned how to do that stuff. So it's not that they, they just woke up with it all of a sudden. They've learned it. And every single one of us have to learn it. How do we learn it? He says it in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ. So when, if we focus and translate this, I've told you, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Last name of Jesus does not exist. <laughs> it's probably God. <laughs> okay? But the, the, the word Christ means the anointed one and is anointing. So it is that anointing that enables us to do things that are counter-natural. Things that other people will look at you and say, why would you have this much peace in the midst of this storm? Why are you so calm, even though everything around you seems to be falling apart? It says, I can do all things through the anointing that strengthens me. Glory to God. So Psalm 5 verse 11 goes on to explain this better. It says, but let all rejoice who put their trust. So it's breaking it down a little bit now. To say, when you put your trust in God, you will shout for joy. It says, because it will defend you. Let them also who love your name be joyful in you. These are all the ways that we acquire this know-how. Because your ability to rejoice in challenging times actually reveals where your trust is. I'll say it again. Your ability to rejoice when things are difficult is a revelation of your trust location. <laughs> That's what it is. So it's, it's just telling us, this is where I put my trust. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Let me also say again that your inability to rejoice when it's time I know I'm, I'm loading you with a lot this morning. Just stay with me, okay? When it's time to rejoice and you are unable to rejoice, you are in the early stages of depression. So when they say it's time to celebrate the third anniversary of the church and your first reaction, what's there to celebrate? Well, what's there to celebrate? What's the big deal? Is it not three years? Why are they celebrating? You are depressed. No, I'm just telling you. From my, both as a pastor and my training in mental health, you are you are depressed. We need to fix that. So when they say, let's go and celebrate, somebody's having a birthday party, say, well, how old is this self that you celebrate? What's this celebrating? You are depressed. You are stressed at best. You need a break. You need to rest. It says rejoice with those who rejoice. In this stuff, you learn it. <laughs> you learn how to do this. So even, it doesn't matter what your own disposition is at that very moment. You rejoice with those who rejoice. And you, you mourn with those who mourn. When, when you, Jesus showed up at weddings, he wasn't there all grumpy in one corner. I said, why are they even getting married? 
Why are they getting married? How old is she? Oh, you have not met such people. It's depression, I'm telling you. So you need to fix that stuff. You need to take a break and relax and rest. So when, when it's time to rejoice, you have to show up and rejoice. It, your mood is a, is a different matter. When you get home, we'll go and deal with your mood. <laughs> but you rejoice with those who rejoice. Yeah, just like the day Pastor, Pastor O'Kay's uh, uh, children were having birthday. That was the last thing I wanted to do that day. Birthday. That was the last thing. I, I just wanted to go home and sleep. But the Bible says, show up, rejoice with those who rejoice. Yeah, so that's what you do. So when, when the church is celebrating, or there, it's not because we don't have other things to do with money. You see all these balloons. How much is it, sir? So that's the will of God, and that's the reason we do it. It's not because it's a nice to do, all right? It's, it's the will of God. I want you to remember that from this morning, that when we say rejoice always or, or be happy, or I, I've told you there is no message that you hear as a child of God that should make you depressed. No message. Even if I'm preaching about hellfire. You know I'm calm this morning. Do you guys want me to preach? Okay. Even if I'm preaching about, about what? Hellfire. For you as a believer, that's a message to rejoice about. In everything, always. It's called perpetually, continuously. You have to find something in there to, to celebrate about. You have to find something in there to rejoice about. To say, God, I thank you that I'm not one of those that are going this way. That's enough to thank God for in that situation. So that's what he wants you to do, and that is his will for you. So God's will for you when you come to him is not, you know, again, we think that the more um, pitiable we are when we show up before God, the more he will answer our prayers. God is not moved by your tears. He's moved by your faith. I'm sorry that doesn't make you happy. But you showing up and just crying, oh, God, God. But you see me, God, you see me. It's just there chilling, like, what do you want? Like, use your words. Just like we tell our kids, use, use your words. Use your words. It's just like, a, imagine this. Imagine a lawyer showing up before the judge, right? It doesn't matter how, how emotional he feels about his client. He can't come there and start crying. Say, judge, judge, my client is suffering. Even you that use the client, you will say, ah, what kind of lawyer is this? <laughs> what kind of lawyer is this? The job of the lawyer is to go into the book and search out the relevant portions that guarantee what he's asking for and pray the court. That's the job of the lawyer. So it's not about emotions. It's not about, you know, many Christians don't like to hear this. They don't like to hear this. They don't like, you know, cry, 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 cry. You will cry. God will just be waiting. He wants to hear. It's just like you get to the door where there is a password. Like, you know, in my office, everything is password. From the door to the bathroom, everything. You can't go anywhere without your, your key. You can't. It's a very high security environment. So everything is password. If you, you can stay by the door and be begging the door. So don't you recognize me, but I scan you every day. Look at my face. It's me. The door is not going to open. All you need to do is punch in the password. When you punch in the password, the door opens. It's as simple as that. So please don't forget this. This is the will of God for you. Say that with me. This is the will of God for me. What is the will of God? Number two, it says pray without ceasing. Ephesians chapter 6, from verse 17 to 19. Ephesians 6, 17 to 19. It says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. You see that again. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of 
of the gospel. They, they asked uh, Smith Wigglesworth, who was a great uh, minister of the gospel uh, in the 50s, I think, or 40s or 50s. Uh, they asked him, how often do you pray? Or how long do you pray? He said 15 minutes. So people looked obviously surprised that, no, you can't be doing all these miracles if you are praying only 15 minutes. What do you mean? Uh-uh. No, no, no. So he said, no, the, the problem is I don't go 15 minutes without praying. So that's what it means to do something always, to do something perpetually, continuously. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. It is constantly engaged in prayer. So we don't stop praying just because things are looking up. So you know how when you are praying for something and you're trusting God for something and it looks as if the clouds are beginning to align and all the signs are looking like you're going to get that job, uh, the tendency is for you to relax and say, okay, now the testimony is here. Or let's even say you have gotten it completely. Everything's done. You've gotten the job. You are in the office. You still, you have, look, it is the will of God. <laughs> that as you are sitting down there with all the testimony, everything is complete. What is the will of God? Is His desire is that he wants to still hear you always praying. Always praying. So whether it's now a prayer of thanksgiving that you're making, whatever it is, he wants to hear it continuously. So it's not, it's not a transactional thing where, oh, God has done it now, so it's time to just relax and find the next problem that we're going to present before him. Glory to God. It's an it's example of, Isaiah, of, of Elijah in 1 Kings 18, verse 40, 41 here, from 41 to 43. He says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So when Elijah heard the sound of abundance of rain, he didn't decide, okay, now it's time to relax a little because finally the sound is here. No, he went to pray. He went to pray. And that, that has to be our attitude because this is the will of God for us. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Some other translations say makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So we need to pray so that we can constantly remain in the will of God. So if you, if you are in and out of prayer, you are not staying in the will of God. That is the message that I came to communicate to you today. So rejoicing always, praying always, giving thanks always is not a nice to do. It is what? The will of God. It is the will of God. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bond servant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Do you see that? Yeah, that's why we stay in prayer. That we may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Of God. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Just going to show you a few scriptures to establish this in your heart. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. You see, all the absolutes is using in here. It's not a mistake. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What will happen? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which people cannot, cannot figure out, will guard your heart and mind through Christ. Jesus. That, that word guard is a military concept. It's like putting a, a, a security uh, detail at the, at the door of your heart. That's what it would do. And, but that doesn't happen uh, except by prayer. The early church was a praying church. It was not, uh, it was not a, a pray whenever we like, you know, kind of system. No, they were constantly engaged in prayer. It wasn't once in a while praying. Acts chapter 12 verse 5 gives us a clue. It says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but 
constant prayer. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. It was constant. Remember our synonyms. Consistently, constantly, perpetually, regularly, repeatedly. This is what he's talking about. So prayer was always going on. That's why we are, we are going back to this idea of constant prayer. So when we say we're, having, uh, we're going to be having prayers, some people will think, ah, but don't you have enough programs already? Why are you adding more programs? It's not about adding programs. So that's why I want to communicate this to you so that you understand what we're doing. That it's about when we first started this church, we used to do this thing called constant prayer. So it's not like, it's, it's not new to us. Uh-huh. It's just when you get into another phase of the church, you feel like, okay, now we need to focus on other things. But the scripture says this is the will of God. It's the will of God. So there's nothing more important than the will of God. Is that constant prayer, I, I don't know how, how we structured it then, but there was, there was a regular a regularity to it, a rhythm to it. We showed up every week and we prayed. It didn't matter if 10 people came or if it was just myself and Dockers. We, we sat there and we prayed. Constant prayer, regular prayer. Those prayers is what brought a lot of you to this church. Oh, believe it or not, those prayers was why. So, so there has to still be that kind of prayer going on for, for the next phase of the church to be unveiled. For the next phase of your own life to be unveiled, there's got to be constant prayer that is going on. Look, every Sunday morning that you and I show up here, there are people who wake up in their homes and in their mind they think, today I'm going to go to Believer's House. But they have never been here. There are people who drive by this place every single Sunday and it is when they drive by they say, ah, yes, I should go to Believer's House. But they get home, they forget. My pastor did this thing in Nigeria. When the church began to grow, he did this thing that every time they wanted to do a membership you know, thing, he asked them in the thing, like, how long was it between when you, you decide, you, when you first heard about the church and when you decided to, you actually showed up? It was between six months and two years. <laughs> so the first time that they encountered him, either on TV or anything, I said, I should go to the church. When he said it, me too, I said the same thing. Like, yeah, it's true. Because my own was like three months, where every single day I would be in the bathroom because I was living in a cubicle then. It was not, you can't really call that a house. My wife is the only one that understands. It is a cubicle because everything, now... I'm trying not to exaggerate this, but everything, the whole house, the length of the house could not have been more than from that wall to this wall. Yeah, so my bedroom, my living room, my bathroom, and my kitchen. So if I put the, the I'll show you photos one of these, I'm telling you. I've, I've come a long way, I'm telling you that. So if I put the TV on in the living room, I can hear it anywhere. So what I used to do is early in the morning as I'm getting dressed, I'll just put on the TV, he'll be preaching. Be preaching to me, I'll just be doing other things in my house. I'll be having my bath, I'll be hearing him preach, I'll be cooking or whatever, or anything else that I was doing, right? So, so I understood what he was saying. And what he's trying to communicate is that people don't just wake up and decide to do stuff. We are in a battle. So it's like you are, you are one, one side of the, of the camp. It's a spiritual force that is at play here. So when somebody suddenly, you know, makes up their mind, now you think about yourself at the way you are now. You just suddenly showing up. Let's say you didn't know Believer's House. You didn't have a home church. You suddenly showing up in a church takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of spiritual energy for you to get to the point where you decide that this is my church. That's why I don't take it for granted. When people make that decision, I know that a lot of things have come together. A lot of things. But, but to generate that kind of power, that energy, we need constant prayer to be going on. Constant prayer. So people wake up in the morning in their houses and they say, Today I'm going to, I'm going to go, to all the, all, even during the week they decide, maybe they watch a Wednesday service and like, Sunday I'm going to Believer's House. But the, the enemy heard that too. So what he's going to do is that he will put things in their way <laughs> all through the week. That even when they wake up on Sunday, they say, ah, maybe next week. 
Yeah, and that next week just becomes never. So what constant prayer does is that it pushes people over the line. It forces the, the spiritual energy that is required to make things happen. I told you the story of the church that where they were trying to sell their church. And they had a sign there. The church was just there. Nobody came to buy. Nobody came to ask them. So one day the pastor just decided that ah, we can't be sitting down and be waiting for this building to sell. They gathered together and they started praying. The day they started the prayer, somebody walked into the church and said, I've been driving by this place every single day. This is the way to my work. Every day I drive by here, something tells me that I need to buy this place. But I've just never, never made the move. But today as I drove by, I have to turn around and come back. Say, How much are you trying to sell this place for? Those things are not coincidences. Those who are walking by faith, by coincidence, always enter into things. So when people tell me that something is a coincidence, I say, okay, this coincidence for me. Okay, tell me your own coincidence. What's the latest coincidence that has happened to you? Because you are not walking by faith. Those who are walking by faith, by coincidence, always enter into things. Why is it a coincidence? Because all things work. Yeah, that's why. Glory to God. So that, that's why we're going back to that idea. So this is not just, you know, a nice thing that we are doing. They, they, they say that the family that prays together stays together. It's the same thing for a church. Because church is a family. Yeah. So a church that prays together are more likely to stay together. Yeah. So, so we want to generate energy together. We want to win together. We want to overcome together. So that we are, we are establishing the days of his power. Let me show you what I'm saying. Psalm 110 verse number 3. I'm going to use the amplified version here just to make this clear a little bit. Psalm Psalm 110, verse number 3. It says, your people will offer themselves willingly to participate in your battle in the day of your power. Not every day. People don't show up to battle every day. They show up in the day of your power. So the way that you generate that power is prayer. Prayer is the way that you make sure that every day literally becomes the day of your power, so that people can offer themselves willingly to participate in your battle. Glory to God. Finally, what is the will of God for us? It says, in everything, give thanks. In everything. Don't forget our synonyms. Constantly, consistently, perpetually, repeatedly. It says, in everything, every single thing. Uh, Matthew Henry uh, was once asked uh, the question after he was robbed. They, They asked him, so how do you feel about this, you know, this robbery? He says, first, let me, let me be thankful, first of all, because I was never robbed before. <laughs> Secondly, because although they took my wallet, they didn't take my life. Number three, because although they took my all, it was not a lot. And number four, because it was not I who did the robbing. So in everything, you must always find something that you can thank God for. You must find something. And what happened, I've taught this in the past, when you... When you gather up the fragments, nothing will be lost. The Bible talks about when the the, the loaves were multiplied, Jesus insisted, gather up the fragments that nothing be lost. When you do that in your own life, no matter what happened, I know it was bad. I'm saying to you, this is the will of God for you. So so when you come to me and say, oh, but pastor, you don't understand. Now, the, the problem is that people want you to... They want you to come into the, the space with them and kind of, you know, there's time for that. But if me and you are, are crying in this space together, there's no voice of reason. So if you come to me and say something, something bad happened, I'm not going to, you know, enter into that space with you. I'm going to stand outside and help you to see perspective. Th- that's my job. Yeah. So don't think that, you know, this pastor is just so mean. He doesn't have feelings. 
I will refer you to my wife when I'm done with my own part. She will cry with you. She will hug you. She will do everything. But me, I, I won't do that because I will, be, I will show you perspective. That you are, you are crying about, about this. Like there, there, was a, there was a time in our campus fellowship then that one, one lady was, um, she was robbed. Um, she was one of those students who were fairly wealthy. Her parents were wealthy and all of that. And she was robbed. Like, you know, in, in Lagos, I mean, you can be by the traffic lights. Somebody will just show up and say, hello, hello, hello. Give me your money. It doesn't happen as much now, but back then it was a lot of, it was a lot of that. So they collected her money, collected her phone, did everything. So she came to me and she was just crying. I pastor, she, after all, you know, and this way we now start to blackmail God. I'm a tither. I'm a tither. I give. I say, relax. Number one, that you have that kind of money for them to steal. Father, I just want to thank you. How can you have that kind of money? How? You are a student. That you have that kind of money. Which phone did they say? Then, then it was, you know, one of those new camera phones that just came out. So you have that kind of phone and they stole it. Ah, Father, I just want to give you praise. <laughs> she was so confused <laughs> with my reaction. Like, what is wrong with this guy? But because the Bible says this is the will of God for you. It's the will of God. So please, every time you want to, you want to respond, and those moments, they are trigger moments. Those moments when something looks bad that has happened to you, they are called, the moments that are called the trigger that if you don't respond right in that very moment, you have missed what is coming next. Because I've told you before, for a child of God, there is never something, anything called loss. There's no loss for a child of God. All things always work together for good. But for it to work together for good, it is those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So your first response is, I know something bad has happened, but the love of the Father for me is still intact. Nothing has moved that. So we respond from that place. And when you respond that way, then what is on the other side of it now begins to manifest. Glory to God. So I told you the story on, on Wednesday of, of 14-year-old Jonathan with Down syndrome. If you, if you didn't hear the story, you can watch it. I'm not going to go over that again. But Jesus himself did this all the time. This was something that he practiced and he modeled to us. Whether it was in front of a, a living situation or a dead situation, this was always his disposition. He didn't wait for any special moments. To, be, to, to give thanks to God or to, you know, or to respond positively. It was a secret to miracles. It was a secret to multiplication. John chapter 6. I'll show you a few examples and we'll tie it up. John chapter 6 from verse 11. It says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. When he had done what? Giving thanks. He was, in, he was facing a, a near impossible situation. Practically impossible. And the first thing that he did was to give thanks. And then he distributed it to the disciples. And the disciples now gave it to those who were sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they needed. It was a secret to resurrection. John chapter number 11. You'll see this from verse, around verse 41. It says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. So he didn't just show up at the tomb of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come out. The first step is always to offer up thanksgiving to God. Say, Father, I want to thank you that this situation, regardless of how it looks or does not look, I want to thank you because that is the will of God for us. It was even the secret to his own resurrection. We don't always remember this. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 when they were having this, this uh, uh, final meal, this is what Jesus was trying to show them. From verse 19, he says, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. Because he knew the outcome of all that was going to go on. And he was, he was trying to lay down the marker here to say, I'm thankful because I know the end of this matter. Uh, which is what I was trying to communicate to you on Wednesday. When you stand before God sometimes, you have to worship him from the standpoint of what is to come. Looking into the future and saying, Father, I just want to thank you. Because though, though this, this be, uh, uh, moment doesn't look exactly like I want it to look, I know that there is a, a greater future ahead of me. Glory to God. So if you have ever wanted to know what the will of God is, I came to tell you that this morning. <laughs> it's very simple. God wants you, number one, to rejoice always. Number two, pray without ceasing. And number three, in everything, give thanks. So to wrap up our anniversary week, we're all going to stand to our feet and we will read Psalm 136 together. It's the entire chapter. We're going to read it in a call and response. I will read the first line. You will yell the second line until we get to the end of it. Amen? All right. Everybody awake? Okay. I didn't preach long today. You should be happy. So there's no, there's no cause for frowning, okay? Psalm 136 from verse 1. Let's go. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who by wisdom made the heavens. To him who laid out the earth above the waters. To him who made great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and stars to rule by night. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. And brought out Israel from among them. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And slew famous kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as a heritage. A heritage to Israel, his servants. Who remembered us in our lowly states. And rescued us from our enemies. Who gives food to all flesh. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. So I'm going to give you 60 seconds to just raise your voice and begin to give God thanks. Lift up your voice wherever you are and say, Father, I just want to give you praise. I just want to give you praise. I give you thanks this morning because this is, the, this is your will for me. This is your will for me to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to find something to be grateful for in everything, in everything. Right now, in my present, my present situation, I just want to give you thanks. I just want to give you thanks. From the depths of my heart, I give you praise. 
I give you praise. Putting aside every weight, everything in my heart, everything that looks like a concern, I just want to give you praise. I want to give you praise concerning Believer's House as a, fa- as a family of God. Thank you. Thank you for where you have brought us from. Thank you for where we are. Thank you for where you are taking us to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is by your mercies that we are not consumed. It is by your mercies that we are still here. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you because of the future of what you have in store for us, for every single member of this house. We give you glory. Lord, we give you praise. We exalt you. We magnify you. We honor you this morning. We lift up a praise to you. Don't be tired, guys. Don't be tired. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Find something in your own life that you can thank God for this morning. Find something that you can be thankful for. Find something that you can be thankful for this morning. And say, Father, I just want to thank you for this. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you glory. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.